Ocean's in a couple of weeks ago, talking about CBs uh, and all that. Oh, of course, of course, I remember that. That was a that was a classic missions. That's been gone down to the archives of, of super classic missions. That one. Yes, a very good evening to uh, all listeners. VK via Skype. Yes, we're coming through very nicely on Skype. Thank you. I'll just turn the volume down here. Stand by. And I heard Lionel and everyone else on, and I thought, well, I've been listening long enough. I've been listening all evening. So I thought, well, just to make it worthwhile, I'll give you a quick Skype call. And, yes. Uh, it's a pity you weren't on Skype the other week when we had the big rave. It certainly sounds a bit better than, <laughs> than two metres. <laughs> we'll have well, to do it all some, again. i got some exciting news, which I can't uh, report just at this stage, but... Um, there may be some other stations listening. Oh, good. And those other stations will know that uh, at the end of the month, uh, which is, oh, it's just gone over the new month right now, um, they would be aware that uh, something, um, how can I explain this without giving the game away? There's, um, there's some information which I'm privy to, which I... Uh, which I uh, told some others that towards the end of the month I would uh, let the uh, cat out of the bag, so to speak. But uh, I I plan to do it on your show. I will dial in and I'll be one of your listeners and you will be first to hear some some sensationally amazing news that uh, that will... Um, you know, that, that will be a record-breaking uh, missions uh, broadcast. Oh, I can hardly wait. In the interests of uh, just clearing it with uh, some other uh, colleagues, I will wait until the end of this week and uh, get their uh, blessing to reveal the information that I have. Oh, you wouldn't want to get into trouble over it? No, no, that's exactly right. Um, so there we go. Yes, so it's been, well, look at this, it's a few people on tonight, so it must have been exceptionally boring, you must have a boring night if you've got to listen to this. <laughs> well, no, I've, uh, my my 15-year-old daughter had a uh, party tonight, uh, and she had 20 of her friends over, so they were all out in the backyard on the, on the decking enjoying themselves, and um, my wife was watching TV, and I've just been uh, learning about how to get uh, SD cards to work with... Um, pick chips so i just thought i'd put 160 meters on in the background it's uh that's it's reasonably stable at the moment it was a bit staticky before but it's yeah. uh, quite a nice signal at the moment yes it was a bit of a not a, a good radio night really so you're putting a sd card in your pixie yeah a while ago i made a little um thing uh, just a little uh, module called the football siren module i managed to get hold of a uh a um, uh, genuine sound recording, high-quality, high-fidelity sound recording of the MCG siren. So I digitised it, uh, saved it as a um, as a binary file and uh, recorded it into an EEPROM. And using a pick chip, I have uh, sold several of these uh, to football venues so they uh, become a, a basically a solid-state um, playback device with a four-second measured, perfectly measured siren burst. But um, someone said, can you do other sounds as well? So um, I've just been now uh, learning how to get the pick to talk to a SD card so that I can put more, a wider variety of sounds and I can use, a, you know, a conventional wave format 
using a FAT uh, FAT 16 file structure, so you don't have to record it to an eight pin um, serial EEPROM anymore. That means that people will be able to change their own sounds. Is uh, there, and um, I just wanted to make you feel like uh, switching on Skype was worthwhile. That's what, that, that was the purpose of the exercise. Oh, look, thanks so, for thanks for coming up. If you get that important uh, privileged information, we'll be the first here. There. So that'll be good. We'll look forward to that. And uh, yes, yeah, Skype works pretty well. It's an amazing system, isn't it? I just see here there's an upgrade. Have you uh, you got the got the latest version of it? No, I don't run the latest version of Skype because I'm running Windows 7, and if I use the latest version, I think it didn't work properly. There were some crashes, so uh, I'm I'm probably using the penultimate version. Is that right? The last yep. but one. Yep. Okay, that's the one I'm using too, which is was it was a um, well, audio quality was was better than the previous, the first version, but uh, yes. Yeah, so how are you finding seven Windows seven? Oh, I, I think it's sensational. It's uh, a little bit faster, but a lot more stable. And uh, I've not yet found a program that it wouldn't work with. Well, I suppose the latest version of Skype probably took a little bit of effort to get uh, installed. So I didn't do a clean install. I did a, a, a dirty install over the top of Windows Vista. Um, I know Mike Ross did a uh, a full clean install, and he uh, he found it a lot easier and, and to to get going. Um, but as I say, yeah, I haven't found any applications that 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 won't work with it. And I use a lot of uh, video editing, audio editing, um, ham radio deluxe. I, I I've got a lot of apps on this machine, and and uh, uh, they work they work beautifully. I'm very, very happy with it. Sorry, Lionel, I can hear you there. Let me turn the volume back up. Hang on, it's OK. okay. Uh, I'll put Lionel on uh, the Skype line, which you've got to do that. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wondering, how did you find Vista? I believe it was a bit of a disaster. Uh, Vista, no. Uh, to be honest, I found it was OK. Where I did struggle a bit was when I put the computer to sleep and it would wake up again. Half the time it wouldn't wake up properly and I found myself having to reboot again. Um, those sorts of problems I just don't have anymore with uh, with Windows Seven. I'm still using XP, so uh, I guess I go straight straight to uh, straight to Seven. Um, yeah, Vista seemed to have a few little problems with it. I yeah. find Windows. Well, I have absolutely no problems. With Windows XP does everything I want, so maybe lots of more teenagers. Uh, I think uh, Windows is going to be supported till 2014, or XP is, so it'll be around for a little while, I should think. Well, I use XP on my laptop at work, and uh, that's sort of a work decision, and it and it's fine. But uh, I, I'm so delighted that I went with uh, Windows 7. I, I jumped on the bad wagon. I'm using the uh, the beta release version of it um, under the condition that uh, I do have to buy it between now and uh, the middle of next year. But if there's um, if there's one thing I I, I uh, firmly believe that it's uh, it's important to have a genuine, legal, and fully paid version. It's the operating system, so I don't take any shortcuts there. That's my view in any case. I believe Windows Seven is quite expensive. Is that true? Oh, I hope not. Don't say that, Lionel. <laughs> I, I I paid for XP. I paid about two hundred dollars when it came out. So I hope it, I hope it's less than that. Yeah. I think it's going to be more from what I heard. 
Oh, don't say that. No, oh, no, no. well, and it's something you use every day. It's hardly, um, you know, people pay a lot of money for things they just use once and throw away. So, you know, an operating system, it's there for a couple of years at least or more. It's worse than getting hacked versions and always having slight, never quite works properly and things like that. <laughs> it's just, it is not worth it. Look, if you're a student on no money, I guess you, it's worth doing. But I just couldn't bother. If I've got to spend hours on something, I prefer to pay the money and just get, a, get it working um, straight off. Yeah, yeah, it's worth the reliability. Some people like to live a dangerous life, but uh, if I'm going to live a dangerous life, I prefer to do it than some other more interesting things. Now, if, um, uh, Dave, if you're able to take me off air for a moment and just quickly have a Skype contact with me, are you? Uh, is that possible to do? Uh, well, I mean, I could do it, but uh, there'd be nothing on 160 while I'm doing it. If there's It'll any information... Second. I'm just going to explain to you what this amazing information is. OK, what I will do is... We could just uh, uh, text it. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Oh, oh I you... could email you. Yeah, just email me. That might be the best thing. Yeah, but I've sent you two emails before and you never replied, so I'm assuming that Hang I'm on. not either not important enough uh, or you don't get them. VK3AC at yahoo.com? Yeah, did you get one just this evening? Because when you were talking about emails, I sent you an email as well. OK, I'll check. And uh, there's one there now, and it's... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah I've got, got it. 12.48, yes. I'll send this next one to you. OK, that might be the best thing, just in case. There could be leakage between the program lines. Um, you know, when people used to do this, we used to always turn. They said, "Take us off air," so you put them up twice as loud. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and you'd have all the uh, they, they'd tell you everything. Oh, oh well, that's interesting. You, you you may not be aware of this. I've just sent it to you now. Let me just press send receive. You, you may not be aware of what I'm talking about here, but if you do, you'll understand the significance of the of the detail. If if you look at it and think, "What on earth is he talking about?" Then, um, then, then, then that's okay as well. Uh, it means nothing to me. Uh, so oh, you got uh, the email, did you? Yes, I did. I think the last time I used Repeater was about 1960 or something. Okay. All right. Well, that's a okay. Deal that, to me. Uh, there's a lot of people that do use it that are aware of what that means. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, we'll look forward to finding out that the important answer that only I know and you know, and uh, that's it. <laughs> yes, you'll have a scoop. <laughs> we'll have a scoop. Have to put our press hat on and uh, have a scoop. No, 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 no. It's super private. It's just between Ralph and myself at the moment. We are privileged people, and you have to wait till next week to find out. So uh, make sure you don't miss the missions next week. Oh, well, I'll make sure. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, it's going yeah, the to be. The ratings will go through the roof. <laughs> ratings will go through the roof. And don't forget that uh, this is probably going to make it to the Green Guide as, as well, and uh, lots of. You probably make it to the headlines. It'll it'll push uh, Rudd and the uh, the uh, refugees off the front page. I think uh, it'll be uh, a big 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 news. Well, Channel Two News. And listen, anyway, we don't want to uh, get people too excited. They need to get some sleep between now and next week so they can uh, digest the news without uh, getting too excited and uh, maybe having an attack or something like that. It's going to totally change the way people view their have their world view. I tell you what I can do to give people a hint. I could no, no, I won't do that because that will get you. If I do this and yeah. you put this to air, you'll get into trouble. No, I was yeah. about to do something, no, but no, I'll, no, I'll, just I'll look. We'll just leave it as is. 
you know, no, no point uh, giving people they've, they've had enough enough um, incentive to, to listen next week. So your you'll Skype, contact us on Skype, Matic, will you next week? Yes, yes. Yeah, your yeah. Skype uh, picture is 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 a uh, is the former uh, well known and uh, <laughs> and and much loved Mr. Silvers. Mr. Silvers, that's right. Yes, <laughs> he's very good, isn't he? Can yes. I ask where you got that picture from? Because that would be pretty rare. That is a picture from a movie made when I went to the Alstonwick uh, court in the forenoon in 1976 to be booked. Oh, yeah. Was that the record-playing one? Was that the, record one? Was that the <laughs> Mr. Right. Silver's tape? Yes. In fact, I have that fil- film. I must put it on YouTube. Um, it would be quite uh, hilarious. Um, was, were they really that upset about that? I mean, that was pretty tame, I thought. Well, considering what you told me last week or the week before, I don't yes, even know the why they worried ham, about under, it. Under, it under, underbelly. Underbelly. I mean, it, a bit of music on 160, so what, on a Christmas Eve at midnight? I mean, what is that going to cause? At least no one was shot. <laughs> no, I don't think the police had guns. Well, they might have. I don't, didn't look at the guns. Oh, <laughs> I was never going to come to that uh, party, but I went to a driving in. You should have come. You would have been part of part of radio history. Oh, yeah. I was sort of... Uh, oh, what a, what a shame. I was invited. Mm. Uh, one of the guys, I think, um, I think the Wick or invited me, but uh, I went to a drive-in uh, in Box in uh, Burwood instead. How boring. Now, I think we did have an unloaded um, P-rifle in the next room. I'm lucky I didn't pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing that uh, broadcasts were done from, uh, oh, I heard it was Altona, but it was down on the beach and uh, where, the, where the, the sand is wet and the earth is good. Um, is, is this true? Were, were antennas put up on the, uh, on the beachfront? Oh, yes. For 160? First year we went to Altona, I think. Then we used to go to the sewerage farm, the Werribee sewerage farm, and there's a road in the Werribee Sewage Farm called <laughs> Road 160. <laughs> and it goes down to the beach. And just before you get to the beach, there there's not anymore. It's a methane farm or methane factory or something, a uh, producing thing. But there used to be this little forest of pine trees. So we used to set up a studio booth tent there and <laughs> run a landline down a few hundred metres to the beach and uh, and have the mitters there and a uh, you know a fifty foot mast or kites or something at the beach, and uh, yeah, so it, it used to happen. And every time the car drove down, we thought it was a silvers, but it, he never got there actually. <laughs> Occasionally, the uh, very official carver just turned out to be the board of works security men, wondering what we were doing, lighting fires and big mitters and generators doing in the middle of the sewage farm. Probably now he wouldn't be allowed to do it, but they uh, they seem to not be too worried. It was sort of like a semi-public area in those days. And did the signal get out well? Oh, was beautifully it, uh, well. As you can imagine, yes. right on the beach at, at, at Werribee, it used to cover uh, Melbourne very well. Yes. Uh, I believe the Silvers were uh, hunting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was very, they could have easily, driven off the road into a sewage pan. That was the idea. If they, <laughs> if they, if they were tracing the signal and weren't paying attention, of course, there sewage pans on either side of the road, bubbling turds, and they would have driven their, their, their Falcon um, trace mobile into that and uh, come out all bubbling. And they probably well, wouldn't have been smell? very happy. That must have put you off. The smell was not very nice. In fact, I used to always come home and for about a week later you felt sick and had a headache. 
And you can imagine in that surge farm smell having barbecues, the sausages really didn't taste very good, and they reminded you what was floating in the pans anyhow. So, <laughs> it, it, these are the things that had to be done. Just, I was the one that was uh, cooking the sausage. Really? Did you feel sick doing that? No, I didn't. I didn't really notice it. Uh, um, that's when you had about a, uh, the bits were about half a kilometre. That's right. And um, the cows used to break up the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the landline. Line. Yeah, uh, it's um. I've got actually I've got film of that too. Uh, the last New, um, New Year's Eve broadcast at the farm, so I must put that on the line on the YouTube as well. But as we we're discussing, the uh, the upload speed is so pathetic that uh, if you want to put it up in decent quality, it takes so long. Yes, there was uh, it was quite a big thing. It went uh, for four or five years. We had it regularly down there, and uh, quite a big clientele. The one I was involved with was seventy seven, seventy eight New Year's. Right. Okay. And New Year's. It might have been, which makes even the smell of the sewage farm worse. Uh, it's interesting, Most, a lot of the evenings were pretty cold, so we used to have a fire, burn the pine trees and sit by the fire and have uh, sausages and quanti- amounts of alcoholic beverage and so forth, <laughs> pass the <laughs> microphone around and uh, play a few records and that sort of thing, and the silvers never got there. Um, maybe oh, he'd be tucked up in bed fast asleep. Well, apparently there were some well-known amateurs who used to demand the Silvers go and trace it, and, and you know, like um, the, I don't think the Silvers would do it on their own, but some people who were not, uh, you know, said there's these people breaking the law and they have to be. Well, um, to, um, at one stage you had planned to actually uh, continue the uh, the uh, New Year's Eve missions right up to the uh, the coffee break, but uh, didn't quite make it. Uh, and then one uh, east, we went down there and did just uh, technical test transmissions and work people and uh, stuff like that. So uh, we took down that big AT5 or whatever it is, the uh, 500 watt meters, which is a bit silly. It took us <laughs> weighed about two tons. You could just take down a linear an FL100 or something would would do the same <laughs> thing now. But uh, oh god, um, I suppose in those days, it, it, the bigger the, and heavier, you, you thought it would get out better. And the more trailers you needed to uh, to move something. What, what did you take a generator, or was, did yeah, you find to, power we, somewhere? I know we had to take a generator. There was no power down there. We used to hire a generator. In fact, one mission, one mission, the generator got stolen, and we had to run around find out. Someone thought it was. On the, I was on the, on the beach and thought it was left there and took it back somewhere or whatever. But uh, yeah, we had to have. A, I think we had to have two generators: one at the studio booth and one at the uh, the mission site. Because sending 240 volts down the fence line, it used to arc over and things, and you wouldn't get enough power down the at the meter site. That generator was stolen. That mean you had to pay for. Oh, they found it eventually. Um, I, in fact, I might put it on after this missions. When the generator was stolen on off two meters, we're trying to find out where the generator is. So I might put that on after this missions. It's quite right. interesting. Excellent, excellent. Uh, the generators, and of course, that petrol would always run out just when. The most important part of to run down the car with some petrol and pour a jerry can in and stuff like that. Quite good. So you put it, the tenors right next to the beach and run a wire into the water for good earth. Yeah. And, uh, oh, well, I did tell you, I think, last uh, time we spoke that uh, some colleagues of mine, um, and and Lionel will remember, both of uh, they they followed David Golds one day after he left his office at 337A Lennox Street and followed him home in uh, ZFL 393, the white panel van, uh, until it uh, got to his home address. 
I rang him up one day and said, I know where you live. And he goes, oh, well, you better come around and have a scotch then and have a cigar. And I did. Look, <laughs> and, I think he was... And he did live there. It was amazing. He wasn't that bad a guy, I don't think. No, well, he, he, yeah, he was with civil gentlemen back then. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, Yes, absolutely. He was um, he was an all right bloke. And he did. He visited the branch once. He uh, went down there and um, dropped in. On official business. No, or just well, a just social social visit. Yeah. In fact, that's on tape two. He's visiting the branch. I've got so much stuff of historic what? heritage interest. Visits while he was on air. Yeah, yeah. He, he just dropped in to say hello. <laughs> I think it was. Diplomatic to show that the department had a different view on things after all these years. He certainly wasn't happy though when he visited me. Very unhappy. Um, you'd think I was a you know drug baron or whatever. It was just amazing. I heard a comment, uh, Dave. Uh, it actually came from Mr. Silvers himself, Mr. Gold. Uh, he said, "Oh, Tony will grow up one day." But as for uh, the other fellow, and I think you know who I'm talking about. The sooner he goes in jail, the better. I wasn't talking about me, surely. Uh, yes. That's pathetic jail. <laughs> Look, law-abiding citizen, I've never done anything wrong except <laughs> do something that is now not illegal anyhow. But he used to have some regular sayings, didn't he? He used to say, I'll have your guts for garters. That was a classic one. Oh, what a laugh. Um, yeah, I remember him knocking the door with this big, with the, uh, the the summons in his hand. Five police behind him. They run up the stairs. It was really, when you think about it, of such a matter of such little danger or, or public interest that a waste of police, five police on a Christmas Eve, I'm sure they could be doing, you know, crowd control or getting drunks or something or uh, just a total waste of uh, of public resources and do you remember what year that was yes 1976 it, it's burnt into my brain <laughs> yes and which was the big year of ours i think ours was 77 or 78 might have been 78 right okay maybe they're just trying to clean up clean up the band <clears throat> maybe they were just trying to clean up christmas eves <laughs> they might have the thing i was mainly worried about i had some tapes there that had had abc that actually i borrowed from the abc and had abc idents on the tape cans and things like that and the silvers said i'd only just started working there i think at the time the silvers confiscated these tapes and says we'll make sure this gets back to the abc and you'll lose your job and Ooh. he was, he said, you've stolen Commonwealth property. That is, uh, you could get five years for that. Basically, stealing the tapes, which I hadn't stolen any, I'd just borrowed, was going to uh, get me in jail and lose my job. So when I, I was actually working, I was actually working Christmas Day. And I went in um, on Christmas Day and uh, went to see uh, my supervisor at the time. I said, look, I, I explained to him what had happened. And I said I'd borrowed these tapes from the ABC just to, you know, listen to and stuff. The silvers had stolen them and said, all, uh, and he said, look, don't, don't worry about it. I, I, I lent the tapes for, um, you know, for preview purposes, uh, you know, it's, it's officially done. So I thought, well, at least I don't need to worry about that. Uh, but uh, so, just... Uh, so you neutralised the, uh, the effect. <laughs> that's right, yes. I was more worried about that 
than um, getting a fine and losing emitters. Obviously, you would be. So, and did either of those two things happen? Did you get a fine? You would have got a fine. But I you, got did a you fine. Any misses? Now let's see. Think back here. What happened? Um, they never mentioned the tapes or anything like that. I did get a fine, and I think it was one hundred and sixty dollars or something. And they 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 took the FT one hundred and one, which wasn't used anyhow, because they had that big emitters we were talking about. Not no, it wasn't one of those. It was the old pie emitters, about the same size as the the NDB emitters you used up at Western Australia, but not as good emitters. And it was used, it was uh, upstairs, I had a 101 and things like that. Landlines going down to the garage in this big emitters in the garage. Went upstairs and they um, they, they put the, took the 101, they took a few other things they took anyhow. And one of the, there was the Golds and another inspector, and he went wandering around the house. And he came up to Mr Gold and said, I think there's something you better, you better see here. So they went out to the garage <laughs> and there, there was the emitters there and it was still warm and everything. Probably the heaters were still on because I could turn it off, the carrier off from upstairs but not the, the mains. And so they took the crystal and the 813s out of that because they obviously couldn't put it in their car. <laughs> They were, they were fairly uh, careful, no doubt, in removing the anodes. <laughs> That's right. They could have been could have been zapped. And uh, anyway, they, uh, they they took all those things. And a few months later, after the case and I paid, I went back to the uh, to Lenox Street and went into their storeroom, and they gave me back the things. They tried to find the tape of the program, which I'd actually hidden in the wall because it was an upstairs room, and you could move the panel of the wall and throw stuff into the the empty space in the room and I threw the tapes and a few other incriminating things in there and they never found them. <laughs> and they went through, apparently they'd gone through all these tapes and cassettes listening to these stupid cross bands and things <laughs> and they they couldn't find the uh, the offending program material. <laughs> so, well, you would be aware, having gone to court then, that his name was in fact Walter Thomas. And oh. this is the question. I can't remember whether it was gold or golds. I think it was golds as in plural, but I may be wrong. I have the uh, the summons here. In fact, it used to be up in the wall of my old shack in the other house. I must get it out. And it's got uh, indictable offence, Walter Thomas Golds, defendant, all this sort of stuff, all the uh, the offences and things like that. And it used to be Oh, my... so you, you believe it was, in fact, gold? I'm not sure. It might have been gold or gold. I'm not sure, but I could easily just have a look at that thing next time and find out what it, what it was. Because uh, if Lionel is there, Lionel will... Um... Yes. <laughs> oh, what a life, eh? <laughs> Chasing people in the, the radio world. Yes, yeah, so I suppose we were pretty... Uh, in those days, it was like a, a, a privilege. If, you, if you've been done by the gold, it was looked like a, getting a ticket, you see. I must admit, I must have baited them a fair bit. I remember one day, a few months before the Christmas Eve thing, I used to put music on late at night, go for a run around the block um, and listen on the Seavers. And I, I run, came back down my street and there was a white vehicle, station wagon, with four men in it who looked very much like government men standing outside my, my place, looking like they were wondering what to do. <laughs> And I thought, God, it's the Silvers. So ducked back up around the street, and there was like a church at the back of our place, and you could get through fences and got back to my place. Went to the back of the house, just turned the fuse, the, the power off, so everything went off. 
and went upstairs of a room, peeked out the window. They, they stood around waiting for about 10 minutes and they hopped in their car and drove off. I thought, gee, I'm glad I uh, did that because otherwise I would have been, would have been booked. And it would have been worse because my parents were there at the time. They, the, when the, the, the booking came, the parent, my parents had gone away overseas for a month or something, so they weren't there. But if it had been booked when they were there, it would have been, um, they wouldn't have been very impressed. When they came back, <laughs> they got the story from the neighbours. And my father said, I've just been talking to the neighbours and I've heard some most unsatisfactory stories. <laughs> and apparently, you know, the... Almost <laughs> so, uh, that, no, they weren't that, they weren't that impressed at all. Although um, they used to listen, I must admit, on on the sievers, which was easy enough to do. Yeah, so there must have just been a case in the joint out or something when they came that night. Could have stopped. I think they did give me warnings. They said, "Look, if this continues, we'll have to uh, do something about it." But being you know, a young age, you don't you don't you think that's a, you take that as a bet. You know, you just keep go, doing it. And I remember I was I used to work at Tandy Electronics uh, in the in its very early days. Like in the, we're going into the 70s here, and uh, I remember I was working at Tandy North Blackburn in North Blackburn Square, which doesn't exist anymore. And I got this phone call from um, this gentleman, and he said, uh, "Oh, Ralph, um, I've been made aware that uh, of uh, your on-air activities and, uh, and music and broadcasts and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, I would like to suggest uh, that it is in the <laughs> opinion of everyone here at the PMG that you uh, occupy yourself over the next year or two with some constructional activities and leave the on-air." Um, uh, leave the on-air activities alone. Just, uh, in mm. other words, don't play radios anymore. Yes, <laughs> very well put. I think um, I had... And that was uh, my warning, which oh, I didn't heed. No, you don't, you don't when you're 20 or something. You don't worry about it. Uh, you think it's going to be all exciting. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I had. To, I think I got a phone call from the department and uh, they said that... Uh, that uh, you know, they're, they're on the case, and uh, reports have been received of... And we used to get telegrams, too. Reports are received of uh, irregular activities and things like that. Deanie Grams. are from the Deanie for controller. And, uh, oh, yes. Bob Dean. Bob, yeah. No, that was Bob Crow. Bob Crow. Um, yes, we got Bob Crow as well. Bob uh, Crow Grams. What was... Dean. Dean. There was Deanie. Dean. I must... I'll dig them out. Uh, D-E-A-N-E, was it? Dean E, I think it was. Oh, look, I'm not sure. I'll have to look at the, the yeah, old telegrams. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, they yeah. do fade after time, those telegrams. But anyway, yeah, I got a few of those telegrams. We used to get them regularly for not giving call signs or for um, giving dead air or for having people on two metres or having people on the phone being patched through. Like, basically, everything was illegal in those days. What we do today. Exactly, exactly what we do today. Remember one telegram said it was addressed to KV3ASE. <laughs> so we, I started to call myself KV3ASE after that. And it said reports have been received of irregular amateur activities. The irregularities include the broadcasting of music, patching uh, people through, uh, limited calls on the two-metre channel B bands, and uh, telephones and all this sort of stuff. It was all the things that now uh, people do. Channel B, that was Channel 40 or Channel 50 <laughs> or something. Wasn't it 146.5 or something? Was that, that Channel B? That's right, yes. And I also got some telephone calls from some amateurs who uh, were very conservative and they just hated what we did. We They just hated 
one particular gentleman, I won't mention their names because they're quite well known, he said, you are bastardising the band. He says, <laughs> I listen to 160 at night. I like to hear the Loran to find out what conditions are like. And you come on and it is just, he, he was just, he could not express the anger and the how he felt about what was going on in this band late at night. And um, I thought, God, you know, probably there's worse things in the world to worry about that. 1940, in the middle of the round, that's why we do it there, because no one else is using it. <laughs> so that's the uh, uh, the sort of, uh, little did I know I recorded those phone calls. I've got those on tape too. I must play them because they're all dead now. They won't care. <laughs> Well, I still haven't got any of my tapes out yet. They're still sitting there, but that's one thing I want to do. And just, just thinking of uh, reminiscing of the uh, names you just mentioned there, mm. Dave, I also remember Mrs. Murkovich. Yeah, Does that ring a bell? Remember, yeah, Mrs. V. I remember Mrs. V. White. Oh, Dave. Oh, Mrs. Uh, v. White. There was a V. White, but there was also Mrs. Murkovich. In the department. It, yeah, oh, 337A. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember, Dave. Yep. Uh, I would say one of those gentlemen, not mentioning any names, Oh no 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 he he was um, he was all for it. I uh, went to see him many times and he used to say oh, I found official on the air privately he thought it was uh, was all, uh, all good fun and stuff like that so he was not a problem at all. So it wasn't that gentleman. The other one that used to go he had a heart attack and used to go walk about uh, he used to go walkabout. Yeah, he used to come up on uh, one of the repeaters uh, and the elders to go... Uh, uh, no, no, it wasn't him. No, I don't know what he thought about things. No, it was... Uh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll tell you who these people were. One, one of them and the other person... Well, uh, look, I've, I spoke to them oh, on I, air I know him. Uh, quite a bit, but they used to not... Um, that like, one was rather cunning. Uh, one was, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think they were very uh, disappointed in hearing the sort of uh, carry-on that used to uh, used to appear on on the wireless. Well, little did they know that things were about to change. Was this was this before or after the big lumber of yours? Uh, it might have been uh, before or after or something like that. This other gentleman I remember talking about the New Year's Eve things. He used to work at a certain place I worked, and uh, not that I had much to do with him. Another guy was listening to the, the New Year's Eve broadcast and he was saying, oh, I heard it, and it was, you know, it was quite hilarious and all sort of stuff. And this other guy, he said, he, he, he just went red and just said it was such a despicable thing to do and uh, he was just beside himself. Look, quite a nice guy. I've spoken to him on the air. And when you listened to him, he was um, sounded like quite a, a nice chap. He's d- departed now, unfortunately, for quite a while, I think. Yeah. Well, you can tell us who he is then. I could, but I, I won't. You choose not to, okay. Anyway, people obviously got upset about it at various times, but yeah, he'd like to listen to the Loran and hear how the conditions were without people talking over the top of it. So I thought that was pretty good. That, there was someone years and years ago um, who I, I suspect was involved with some of these uh, cross-band uh, missions, um, and every now and again he would have... Uh, a moment and he would go completely quiet he would just like his brain would switch off and it would just go completely dead for a little while and you could hear a train go past in the background and then he would continue talking um just where he left off 
and uh, I was I've been tr- racking my brain trying to remember who that was. Um, no, it wasn't Les Jenkins, um, but but it was someone in Ascot Vale or St Albans or sort of over that part of town. Gee, uh, Ralph, do you remember the time uh, when uh, the Silvers uh, raided uh, Just CB uh, shop in uh, uh, Mitcham? Do you remember when that happened? Ooh, vaguely. He yeah, raided a few people. Yeah, but... um, there was NCB action and uh, had a picture of uh, Mr Silvers, uh, you know, taking some uh, equipment. It was probably in the days before CB was legalised. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Now, raiding a shop, there was nothing illegal about having you have a million CB sets. It was only using them. So I don't know what regulation he would have raided that shop. I think they might have operated from there. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of the guy's name that owned that shop, but he definitely did operate from there. And I think you'll find that it was at the time when uh, when CB was first introduced, um, it was 18 channels. It was cut back from the original 23 channel. Yeah, and then it went to 40 channels. So um, everyone was modifying sets and they were trying to get more channels out of them and all this sort of uh, hoo-ha. And um, it, it could easily have been that it was raided because he had the wrong number of channels on his sets or something. I don't know. The Silvers, the Silvers, David. Having that photo of the Silvers, and there's not many photos of the Silvers in the world. No. Uh, well, as soon as I saw it, you immediately recognised it. And how the safari uh, suit? The safari suit, yes, yes. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a big thing, wasn't it? You had all those trucky um, convoy movies and songs and things. Uh, for a couple of years, it was certainly a big thing. I've got a a copy. What's a magazine? Um, uh, yeah, Electronics Australia's got a a par- someone <laughs> a pirate in a pirate suit with one eye holding a, a CB set like it was the main uh, sort of commercial promotion at the time. Well, I happen to know of someone, and you know this person, uh, and I won't definitely say who it is, <laughs> uh, who back in the seventies. Was working with uh, the PMG and had a uh, PMG dust coat, and he went to a phone box in Caulfield, and uh, he took a very low power 27 megahertz oscillator, crystal locked, uh, that could run you know a few milliwatts sort of thing, and pulled apart a panel of the phone box. Uh, I know all this because I saw him do it, and he fitted this into the phone box like behind the panel of the phone box and it was right outside one of those uh, crest emergency monitoring stations (laughs) and uh, the device uh, was powered by the phone anyhow um, they obviously realized after they heard the dialing pulses (laughs) on the the signal where it was coming from and uh, I can. St- I think I've still got a copy of the article that was in the uh, the uh, Herald Sun um, back in the 70s that actually had a wig cartoon with a ladybird um, with a big aerial hanging out the back of the ladybird saying, "Who's sitting on the bug?" <laughs> <laughs> I remember that crest. We had a local crest here. Yes, in South yeah. Caulfield. 
South South Caulfield, that's right. Yeah. Balaclava Road and uh, uh, this one was up in a suburban well, street, uh Bukara It was Road, a suburban huh? street, but it was on the just Yes, or, yes, I know the corner some the shops there is. and the phone box, yeah. Yep. Box. Now the interesting thing is I went to that I was riding my bike and saw the crest thing and I thought I'll go and say hello or something. I was not involved in anything like that. I think I was one one sixty or something at the time. Uh, anyway, I went in and uh, they were telling me about their emergency service and they were monitoring all the stuff in case people run out of petrol on the highway or whatever. I mean, it's really emergency type things or someone has a flat tire or their, you know, their, their statesman might you know, boil or something like that. Anyway, um, up rolls the guy from the 3UZ Newsbeat program. You remember that one? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he had a little cassette recorder in his hand. Well, now, cheap, but now not much of a cassette recorder. And he... Uh, he uh, he talked to them about half an hour about Crest and all the things they did and interviewed them and uh, all this sort of stuff. And uh, the next uh, Sunday morning, of course, that was played on the Greta 3UZ930. That's right. First thing on Sunday morning. That's right. And about he, with all the car accidents that happened overnight. Yes, he'd go to all the car accidents and uh, it was really quite a... A ghoul, ghoulish sort of show. What it was just. What, what, yeah. It was nothing. Remember that? They used to, to interview the people when they just had an accident, and they'd find they were on the radio. So Newsbeat, and it was all about uh, all the crashes on Saturday night and the drunks and things like that. But uh, he had a special feature on on Crest, the Citizens Radio Emergency Service, which would have. And been, you were present when that was recorded. I was present. Yes. <laughs> and I thought this is there must be big news if Three uh, UZ Newsbeat is coming to uh, to interview them. I think he said, you know, what, what sort of, you know... He did have a similar show on TV, too. He really? Oh, OK. Oh, I forgot what they call it, but those do uh, play it on one of the TV uh, stations. Um, uh, you know, on Sunday, uh, Sunday no, I can't remember what the show uh, called, but, uh, you know, we had to, you know, to investigate, you know, all the accidents. Isn't, isn't a show like that now? You just go out with a handy cam and uh, get all the ghouling um, <laughs> stuff. Uh, what a terrible job. Yeah, so Crest, I don't know what happened. I suppose once mobile phones became popular, there was really no need for, for Crest. But they took it very seriously, listening to uh, to buzzing stuff. Interesting to talk about, when I used to live in the other place uh, 10 years ago, we had a nutter used to live next door, and he used to about 18 or something, and uh, he had a lot of funny things he did, but he had a stage of... He, he would look at all my antennas and build ones that looked the same, but they were just like... Uh, copies just to make it look important and things like that. Anyway, he got a CB set. It must have been a marine set. I'll cover the marine channels. And well, he'd be he'd be on the CB set talking normal to someone, then he'd just change and start to abuse people and things like that. And he used to break into all our, our audio stuff inside and TV. It was a pain in the ass. His 5 watts of, of 27 meg did more damage than all my stuff. Then he'd get on the, the Marine Channel and he'd call up the Marine Channel very officially that for a weather report and all this sort of stuff. Then a few minutes he'd come back with a funny voice and just abuse them and blot them out and do stupid things. And So it was really an insight in how how bad, how sick some of the, these people are. They just sort of put on a voice and sound quite good one minute and, and go berserk the next. Just while you've been speaking, mm. it was Paul Macon. Oh, was that the man? Okay. Paul Macon, and his famous words were, and that was the night in our city. Yes, I remember that. Wiki, Wikipedia, help me there. <laughs> Isn't it great? You've got an answer for everything. <laughs> uh, they might even have the, the clip from the, uh, the Crest Emergency Services. 
and they were right outside this a transformer pole, and all I could hear here on their sets were this buzz. And I said, "Haven't you chosen a bad house for this?" Well, I think the um, the thing that uh, gave the, uh, the 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 device in the phone box away was the fact that. It had uh, dialing pulses because I too went down there after it was planted and went in and introduced myself and said, I want to learn about what it is that you're doing. Oh, and it just, <laughs> I was yes. looking at their, at their radio and the S meter is sort of pegged across oh. to, the, <laughs> to full scale. And I'm thinking, it's very quiet today. And, goes, yes. and he's looking at it thinking, hmm, I don't understand that. Then all of a sudden it went off. And I thought, oh, that's funny. What's going on? And then the next thing I hear is, <laughs> Something funny in the phone box. Something in the phone box. And, of course, um, I can only surmise that uh, the uh, the department found the, uh, the, the device, removed it. And, of course, they must have thought, or they may have thought, is it there to monitor people's conversations in a phone box? Is it some... Uh, uh, surreptitious device for monitoring, you know, the <laughs> general public's phone conversations, uh, which, uh, you know, from from my observations, it wasn't. And as soon as they realised what it was designed to do, yeah, <laughs> they thought, oh, it's just designed to, not, it's designed to change crest. Oh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we don't care. Just chuck it in the rubbish bin. <laughs> so that's why uh, the, uh, the 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 Herald Sun wrote this article: "Who's sitting on the bug?" Because nothing was being <laughs> done, done about, about it. it. Um, uh, if they had to put a big electrolytic across the power supply, it might have um, muffled the, the pulses a bit. Yeah, well, I I can't say for sure, but my, my information tells me that it may have had one of those, yeah, but, but it may not have been big enough. Yep. My, I seem to remember vaguely that uh, tests were done ah, yes. um, on a number of telephone exchanges, including step-by-step mm. -step and crossbar, yeah. to ensure that the A and B relays were adjusted correctly yep. and uh, it didn't draw too much current to be detectable. So I seem to recall. Um but, uh, yeah. It, uh, oh, it served its purpose that... anyhow. Yeah, it served its purpose, that's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three phone calls using those, eh? Yeah, those silly phone boxes. Yes, you that's... Your, you put your money in, and you just... Uh, when they call, uh, <clears throat> when the other person uh, uh, answered, you just, just basically just hit uh, button A in a certain way, and then when you finish the call, you press button B and you get your money back. Mm. All oh, right. Yeah, the phone system's improved a little bit since then. Because there was a thing called an ABRAD, which I recall. Have you heard of that? An ABRAD, no. added battery relay and diode. Oh, I've got some phones here that were designed for the old system so you can make free calls. It would reverse the thing and the, the register wouldn't register at the exchange. Oh. Mm. The way you used to do it with these step-by-step -step things was earth one of the lines. And if you earthed it, it would bypass this ABRAD device, oh, yeah. uh, which was installed in the line to public phone boxes. You earth one side. You got a bit of hum, but um, it uh, you could dial anywhere in Australia. And uh, uh, so it is said. <laughs> well, that's, that's interesting. Oh, I used to just do the brute force and just yell down the... Uh, 
down the earphone, <laughs> oh, yes. ring up the parents to pick you up. You just go, oh, you're yelling, and people wondering why you're yelling down this thing, and they can just just vaguely hear it down the other end. But it was great. You could make all the, all your free phone calls. And fun. I think every one of us knew where one of those phone. We all knew where a phone box was that would that would work with. Yeah, well, all we the older phones. The uh, the older before they put. Um, you could dial anywhere in Australia. You're uh, right. Just put a coin in. Yeah, ten cents or whatever it was in those days, and uh, you can uh, ring anywhere in the world in Australia. Wow, that's good. So I kept it quiet, but someone must have uh, um, must have let the cat out of the bag because uh, after a couple of uh, couple of months, uh, they came along and uh, fixed it. Yep, in the old phones, it had the uh, the earphone, you know, the separate earphone, not the handset. It's going back a long way. Probably a lot of our listeners won't remember. You'd ring someone up. <laughs> and they'd say hello, and you just put the head, the earphone to the microphone, and go. Oh, and, yeah, uh, I remember doing that. <laughs> that was always fun. Red that, phones that was were the best. Good. I made uh, a lot of phone calls uh, free uh, using those uh, red phones. You could use them for free calls, eh? Mm. Yeah, you just hit the phone, hit the uh, of the uh, hook thing, yeah, with the thing you know set on. If that was sort of the buttons were a little bit uh, worn bit sloppy, used to just tap out the numbers. Oh yes, tap the numbers, I remember doing that. And yeah. I was, uh, I went in this laundry mat in, uh, oh, in Kew. It wasn't a, it wasn't a uh, red phone, it was, an, was another type of uh, public phone, and I was trying, but, uh, but the owner must have lived upstairs, he must have heard the thing uh, tingle, tingle, uh. and uh, the door swung open and I ran like the place. <laughs> I can imagine. The problem was, my car was parked right outside. Uh, we should have kept running and picked your car up later. <laughs> oh, well, I had to wait uh, yes. for quite a while when I thought, figured oh, well, it's safe and I stuck, got into the car and I took off as quick as I could. I used to uh, make calls and long distance calls. <laughs> the pit in our yard, there was the two, the, the Y used to branch to our house and the Kimptons next door. <laughs> so if I want to make a long distance call, I'd go to the pit and get clip leads and connect the phone across the Kimptons line if they were out, and uh, and dial and jingle, 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 and make calls that way, and it wouldn't register on our bill. Well, I know a guy that put a standard 611 or 603, whatever those standard phone sockets are. Yep. He lifted a pit, wired it in to the pit, and just had it sitting there. So he'd pull up in his car, get out, <laughs> lift the pit, plug his phone in, go back, sit in the car, and just sit there on the phone making <laughs> making phone calls. And then when he'd finished, he'd unplug and drive off. It was a very early mobile phone. Not that mobile. It had a long lead, yeah. Not that mobile, yeah. When, when I used to live in a certain New South Wales country town, I didn't have a phone. I bought an old phone, dial phone from the, the junk shop. So I'd go out and find a make ring up people. I'd take drive the car a couple of miles out of town where the phone lines were and just pick one that was, wasn't a carrier line, but was a, a voice frequency line. Click across, hear the dial tone, dial up and, and make my calls out there. You get bitten by mozzies and things. But I picked a spot where there was a bit of a hill and the lines drooped a bit and you could actually reach the, reach the line without standing on anything. What, was this was, was this was RF or was this was no this was on, a, just an right. ordinary voice telephone line. Oh right, right. On right. one of those you know, multi telephone line things. There was a, a phone installed on one of the locks uh, on the Yarra Yarra sorry the Murray River, and uh, apparently this thing would go up and down, so they had to run an RF link out to it. And uh, NEC made a number of these things, which were later upgraded. And a friend of mine working for. Um, uh, 
Telstra or Telecom, whatever it was back in those days, uh, pulled a lot of them out of service and they worked perfectly. They were split frequency on around 155 megahertz. The allocations are still there and used today, mind you. And uh, they just put a Yagi at the local country telephone exchange and they run one of these devices and I thought, what a great system. I could put one in my home, plug it into my phone socket, plug it into my two metre antenna, it's close enough, and put the other one in the car. And, you know, it generates the sort of 90 volt ring signal. You just plug a normal telephone into it and you can drive around it and they work brilliantly. <laughs> it was just like a really long range cordless phone which would work over most of the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, and, of course, they're on, uh, on government-allocated uh, <laughs> frequencies. Well, will you believe I had a set of those? They're exactly the same thing in a, in a grey metal case with two sides. The back and the front used to lift off, and they're like little rack yep. things in there. Well, I had those ones too. That was the STC one, wasn't it? Uh, I forget what they were. They were just, there was uh, an STC, and there was a more modern... NEC one or something, right. and I had several sets of each. But yes, I do know the the hammertone grey metal ones that you're yep. talking about. Is that right? That's right. Now I did exactly that. This is before mobile phones, even before the 005, the 007 mobile phone system. I stuck one, and I had uh, two antennas, uh, designated antennas, and I put them in the car, and I could drive around and make phone calls. And I thought that was pretty darn good. Yes. <laughs> You'd, you'd it had make a huge helical filter in it. Do you remember yep, the that's size right. of the helical yep, filter? Helical filters because it had one coax and the two, I think they were six megs apart or something. Yeah, it's something like that. That's right. Yep. And I could go up to Millgrove and make a phone call back to my home here. It was really quite, quite amazing. And what the system I had, it was totally insecure, but the guard tone that, did the, that held the line open was, a, I think, a 1500 hertz yeah, tone quite high frequency, right yeah. in the middle of the hearing range so you could listen to the conversation but it was really annoying and in the telephone box it had a notch filter so you didn't hear it so bad on the actual phone line but anyone listening could hear the conversation but they wouldn't keep listening because it was a pain in the ass to have a listen to and the good thing was as you say it was totally would interface with ordinary telephones you just plug a phone and a thing in it into the wall and it was just like a bit of wire that's right, and, and the beautiful thing was, as, as I say, it would generate the ring voltage at the at the uh, at that's the remote right, end. yes. Yeah. And the, the remote phone would just go ring, 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 ring. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> it was quite good. And then after I used it for that, I put it over in. Um, that's right, in her flat or her unit. She had a phone. So this is great. So I just put the unit over there, pat, plugged it in. So at our house, we had two phone lines, hers and ours. <laughs> we just used to use, we could have one phone on hold and use the other phone and use that, her phone for long distance and all that stuff because we didn't care. <laughs> it was quite, uh, quite remarkable. It was a great system. It was about two kilometres away. I'd say it'd be good to collect one of those units. Yep, yep, they're, they're, they're quite, they're, you see them around. I only wrecked mine a few years back. I thought, do I really need it now? And I pulled a, a sort of, um, uh, pulled it a bit and threw it out. I think I've still got the transmitters and receiver modules. I don't know why, but um, it, they, they were taking up space. Very good, and they, they probably had them in their country farms, you know, a few, you know, 20 kilometres away from the phone line and just had the things. I have heard them recently. They're usually now inverted or some kind of basic... Uh, inverted audio yeah yeah yeah. but these ones are just straight fm well i wanted to go a little bit further i was quite impressed with how they how well they worked and i was using them with single antennas but i wanted more so 
I um, erected a repeater. Can I say this now? Yeah, it's pretty late. Look, we're we're just morning. saying what someone told us and we don't know what we're talking about. That's right. Sorry. A friend of mine, so it said, erected a repeater on Mount Disappoint into a rubbish bin. Rubbish bins, by the way, make fantastic outdoor um, uh, receptacles for holding things in. And um, it was solar-powered, had a car battery inside it, and uh, <laughs> quarter-wave ground plane, and uh, we had the receiver remotely connected on a one-kilometre length of cable because we didn't have cavities or anything. Yep. And um, we were just using phone wire to run across to the receiver. Problem was that wombats would eat the cable, and I was going up there nearly every weekend replacing a join here and a fix there. Yep. In the end, we put in some WRC, that's wombat-resistant cable, as we call it, but it was very heavy-duty cable. Uh, the other, the, the white stuff, kangaroos were running through and everything. And in the end, it worked um, worked for quite a number of years. And I, I drove around with a phone patch uh, system in the car on some obscure six-metre re- frequencies because there were no six-metre repeaters then. No one used six metres FM. It just, just wasn't heard of. And uh, I connected back to home and uh, built a, a DTMF... Um, system using uh, discrete logic and gates and everything and uh, sure enough I could make and receive phone calls uh, on a uh, uh, I guess what you'd call a half duplex system but it worked and it worked uh, quite effectively I couldn't really use it for business calls <laughs> That sounded a bit funny That sounds a great system um, Was it ever detected up there? Like someone uh, was it ever detected? Yeah. No, because it had a sign. I made a very official-looking sign that I stuck in it, and it said, "Warning: This equipment forms part of the air navigation safety system." Yes, that's a good sign, isn't it? <laughs> Please do not interfere with this equipment because you may be endangering the safety of aircraft and the lives of passengers. So, unless it was a DCA tech who went up there, they'd, they'd realise it was important and not to leave it alone. Well, that's right, and many years. It, it, it lasted up there several years, and I since then relocated it to the um, to the uh, to Mount Dandenong, and uh, the same system was separated vertically by less distance, not a kilometre this time. We figured we could get it down to about 300 metres. The only problem was that in the afternoon sun, from all over Bayswater and Kilsyth, you could see this thing lit up like a Christmas tree because the lid of the rubbish bin was shiny silver and it would capture the afternoon sun. <laughs> what sort of rubbish bin? It was just one of those, um, you know, those, those silver ones, you know, the metal ones. Oh, okay, yeah. And it had a chain on the top of it with a padlock so people couldn't prise it open and look inside, of course, so they could always break the chain. Trouble with Mount Daddynong, I've put stuff up there at times... It's a fairly small area and uh, very steep. You can break your, you know, strain your ankle on that, as you would know. Um, very steep mountain. But uh, I'm sure there's bushwalkers and orienteering people. Um, it's pretty sort of public, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, I remember getting out there one day with some, you know, I had a bag with a multimeter and a, an NSWR bridge and a few other pieces of test equipment. And this uh, this bushwalker came past and goes, oh, are you going down to that radio equipment, are you, to, to service it? I, said, I beg your pardon. I said, you know the radio gear down there in the rubbish bin? You're going down to do that, are you? You, you might have seen my, my bean. It was up there. Um, no, no. I had a... Uh, didn't see that. An experiment up there for a, a while. I put a little uh, you know, half-watt FM transmitter. This from the FM band wasn't that, that busy. 
and uh, a Channel 4 TV antenna, built the, uh, the, the transmitter on that and had it on a, stuck on a tree and running off a car battery, relaying certain information. And that was up for quite a while until the battery went flat and the, the thing drifted across the dial. And I forgot about it. And about 15 years later, I went for a walk and found it. It was all overgrown, oh, but the, really? the beam and everything was still there. And the car battery, I didn't bother bringing the car battery back. It was uh, still there, which was quite amazing. Well, do you remember the walking track, uh, which is basically at the base of Channel t- or the back of the Channel Two Tower? Yes, I know that well. V- virtually comes out where the um, studio transmitter link hut is, yep. and it essentially goes all the way down that that uh, goat track that just basically goes straight down. Yep. If you were walking down that track, all of our gear was on the. Uh, walking down, it was on the right-hand side, so that would be the north side of that, by about two or 300 metres. Right, yeah. You had to choose a spot that wasn't too close to a track. Yeah, and that wasn't too far around. It would have been better to have it on the other side, but um, it was just... We, we put it where we thought it was the best. It, it lasted about a year. And then we went up there and it was, it was gone. Oh, think, right, uh, okay. Someone licked the it. Department of uh, Environment and others came and took it away. And so it was okay. It was, I remember that stage, mobile phones had come out. I, I put some UHF stuff up there once and I was working in the city, had to go to somewhere, and I looked at this building in the city. And about two days after I put it there, uh, the uh, Department of Sustainability, whatever they're called then, decided to do a, a clearing burn up at the top of there. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it went off, and I real at least I realised why. A few blackened, burnt-out trees there with um, STC staff owned would still be in there <laughs> with with ge- with with flat gel cells and things like that. So uh, it's such a good location, so close to the city and high. Yes, I bet there's a lot of clandestine stuff still there. That's uh, oh, I'm out. sure there is. I'm sure there is. In, in the end, all of my equipment got converted onto UHF and got into a. Uh, into a shed. I put a site. I put a, a a garden shed up there in a in a guy's backyard who lived uh, uh, up at Calarama, which wasn't quite as good, but pretty close. Yep. So he said, "Yep, you can put aerials up the trees. You can put a shed here. We'll put power in for you." Um, so I had a, a full repeater shed up there, which he happened to use to store, you know, his lawnmower and. Uh, and uh, and gardening tools in there, but one side of it was full of repeaters and things, which was my my little shed. But uh, I, I switched it off years ago. And I think it's look, I'd love to just buy a little plot of land there or rent and put a shed just exactly on top of the hill, and you could put all sorts of things up there. Probably not as, as you say, it's important now. Trouble up there there's a, is there's a cottage for sale right now opposite the REC repeater in uh, Olinda, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a beautiful little cottage with a nice backyard. And I tell you what, that's where I want to retire. Uh, is it expensive? It was uh, cottage price. It was about uh, two hundred and fifty thousand. That's not too bad. Yeah, it was quite reasonable. My wife said, we can sell this house and we'll buy one on Mount Dandenong for you and we'll have a unit down in Port Melbourne for me and we'll spend six months in each. This is in 10 years when we retire. Yeah. And we'll spend six months in each. Wow, that'd be... Fantastic. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, a house on Ridge Road or something. You could look at the city and do... wouldn't need antennas just on VHF. A couple of amateurs up there anyway. Mm, There probably are. Oh, there probably is. 
trouble up there is you get so much interference from the TV, uh, FM transmitters and all that, the buzzing, humming noise. Um, I guess using a fairly inefficient method of uh, shunt regulation across the battery, which just basically used a 2N3O55 and a Zena uh, with a fairly sharp knee, so that as soon as it reached 14.2 uh, volts or whatever it was, it basically just shorted out the, uh, the, the, the or shunted all the, um, the, the, the solar power energy into, into heat. Right. And uh, for the receiver, we used a, um, a pulsing system that basically fired the receiver up um, every three or 400 milliseconds um, for just enough time to let the oscillator stabilise and check to see if there was a, whether the squelch was open and then it would shut down again. And uh, that way we were able to keep the repeater going quite effectively on battery power. All right. I'd, I'd bought uh, a pair of um, the standard C528 handhelds, which oh, were... I had one of them. They could they be... Were, they were cross-band. They, they could, could do a cross-band thing. They could be worked for cross-band and they could also be um, cloned. So if you had one, you could change the settings of the other one from the remote one. Ah, you dial yes. in the things, go, did, 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 send DTMF tones for about two minutes. If you change all the settings and the, the channels and the tones, and they go, it's a very low board rate, and it would set. So if you wanted to change the other set to other conditions, you could do that. Quite an advanced set. This would have been in um, early um, ninety or eighty, yeah, something would have been like 80s. that. And I've still got them here. I think they're basically tuttled now. The something's gone wrong with them. But the idea was to put one of those up in Mount D or somewhere, and I could program it as a VHF UHF uh, talk through repeater or do whatever I wanted to do with it. Oh, and you could change the channel then. You could change the channel, change. Um, anything change it uh, uh -huh. um you could there are amazing devices you could make it into a repeater with a tail or no tail change the length of the tail um have um ctcss um uh, encoding or decoding or whatever this was programmable from the remote unit and they're quite expensive in their day but the problem was the on standby they still drew quite a bit of power and i worked it out you needed quite a reasonable size solar cell and battery to run them 24 hours a day. It on, almost needs mains power. It almost does. And look, if, you, if you're if you in a paddock and you could put up a full-size solar panel pointing to the sun, no problems. But to make a clandestine unit, how do you put a solar panel that uh, can't be seen and things like that? Mm, and I did some mm. tests running just off a, you know, a gel cell for a few days and things like that. And it worked very well, but it just didn't have the, um, the power was the main thing. So, uh, yeah, if you found a, a PowerPoint or something there, it would be really great, wouldn't it? Or if you knew someone up in the TV towers, you could lend you a, a PowerPoint, or better still, a little booth, or like you said, a shed or something, <laughs> it would have been that. Just throw us, throw us over an extension cord. <laughs> That's right. Those standard uh, meters were, and they were great too. I could use them on the, um, on the work repeater and, and, and have my own little meters and, and talk on that and go away, and they thought I was still there. <laughs> well, here, just hearing you remind me of the DTMF sequences reminds me of my fascination with the Seafone system that uh, VHF Marine used all those years ago. I don't know whether they still use it, whether it still exists. But um, uh, on a couple of channels, there's this Seafone system on VHF. 
and uh, I wondered how it worked. So I sat down and I got my big reel-to-reel and I hooked it up to my scanner and I sat there and I spent about a week recording the uh, the input signals to to the uh, repeater on Mount Martha, whatever it is, uh, or Arthur Seat, whatever it is. It's, I think it's Arthur Seat. And then I got the sequence of DTMF tones and I thought, how on earth am I going to decode them? Because they go so quickly, you know. I thought, how will I do it? And I thought, I know. I'll build a single chip DTMF decoder and get it to feed an LED. So I did that and the LED flashed with the numbers really, really quickly. And then I thought, ah, now what I'll do is I'll get my video camera out and I sat in front of it and I recorded it, then played it back frame by frame and wrote down all the uh, the sequences. And it, it, it only took probably half an hour to realise there was a pattern to the uh, to the sequence and I was able to um, to decode what the pattern was. But I thought that was an ingenious way. I don't know whether there was a simpler way. I mean, I'm I sure think there is now using computers, but just computers into weren't a, invented back then. Yeah, you just play it into a computer now. They've still got repeaters everywhere, but I don't know if the phone system's still up and running. Yeah, it used, it used to be, um, as far as I know, it, was, it wasn't private. It was, uh, it was you know, in the clear, so to speak. Oh, yeah. So anyone with Channel 10 or 23 or whatever channels it was on the UHF, uh, VHF phones, uh, 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 Marine Channel, uh, on 150, whatever it is, 153, 155, 156, whatever, could hear the conversation. But uh, I was just fascinated how, how, how the thing worked. And um, It was quite yes. a, uh, a, a technical innovation when it was first introduced um, before phones. I think even now it might still be in operation in areas that, you know, coastal areas that don't have phone facilities. The standard thing was also quite good you could actually change the settings of them by sending DTMF tones down the line. Change, change the you inputs change. and outputs and things like that, reconfigure the system. You could reconfigure their system? Yes. <laughs> you could make channels open or with the CTCSS and do other funny little things or whatever. Yes. Wow. That is, uh, those, those standard handhelds were fantastic. They certainly were so advanced. Someone they showed were. me one, and I thought, I've got to have one of those. Yes. Well, I've just bought myself a uh, VX, and I put a Bluetooth earpiece in my ear and pair it to the radio, and I thought, now, that is novel. That is pretty <laughs> good, it, isn't it? I don't know why you'd ever use that. but in Well, I use it because I go for a walk around the block. I just put the radio in my pocket and I can listen to it. But as, as far as a radio is concerned, it doesn't have any of the wonderful um, repeat capabilities oh. that the old C510 had. Uh, was it 510 or 520? What was it? A 510, I think. And with the built-in repeater, was, uh, it was quite, uh, quite remarkable. Yeah. I used an IC2400. In fact, I had two of them, both with... The, the f- fully optioned up with the CTCSS boards, which were options in those days. But that was a a, um, a, a vehicle-mounted uh, duo band radio that could uh, act as a repeater. Um, yeah. yeah, they're quite big and bulky compared to modern uh, modern sets. But they had uh, those all those little little facilities. They're really just designed as a uh, 
well, a radio hacker's dream. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> let's be. Let's be honest. <laughs> yes, Dave. I'm going to go. I'm going to. I've just realised it's quarter past, and I have to get up. So early. late. We've had such a big mission. So thanks for coming on. It's been most interesting talking to you again. Yes, and, and and who else was out there? There was there was Lionel, but there were, there were others as well. There was Ivy. Is he still there? A- Andrew was Andrew. It? Yes, Alan. Which gone. was said uh, VD yeah, years ago. ZCV VD ZCD VD as in ZVD as in no no don't say it I think it was not that anymore so it's uh, very good to talk to you and talk about the old days now listeners out there don't forget next week the big scoop the big big scoop you've got to listen (laughs) with that I suppose we'll say very good morning daytime night we'll find something well I'll I'll put something boring on because everyone's going to bed now it's so late and that was the, the uh, and that was the night in our city. <laughs> Talking of that, remember in 3MT on the wall, there used to be this picture of man. Was there? Huh. Yeah, and then there was another thing with a picture of handheld that said you have to have a license to use these, and somebody written so do not priate on them. Yes, the department used to put advertisements in the paper that to use the hand phone, you had to have a license. That's right. Yes, a hand phone was... Um, a 27 meg hand phone. Yes, yes. To have a license, you basically had to be, you know, had to <laughs> be a ship or or something important. Not, it wasn't just for normal mortals to have a handphone license. Right. Yeah. There's all these no, conditions. The, had to be safety at life of sea or something. Yes, twenty-seven point two four zero. It was only uh, very important persons. Um, allowed to use transmitting devices in those days. <laughs> That's right. So hams are really privileged. They could do what they like, and everyone else, unless they were the fire brigade or something, could never use emitters. <laughs> uh, that's beautiful. All right, I'll drop off Skype now, and I'll uh, wish everyone a very good morning. Well, that's been a big, big night of missions. And uh, that was Skype-O-Matic. Real signal was coming through nice and strong in the factory on the other thing. I think it was a bit stronger than previously, so it was pretty good because I hadn't listened there before I came back here. Oh, right, you've been down the factory. Yeah, that's right. Yes, I heard you talking to him down at, um, uh, I think it's, uh, uh, not Craigie Byrne. Um, oh, John Wickham Wh- Yes, yes, I can't, he's very scratchy here, you're good of course, but uh, he must be just uh, behind a hill or something. Yeah, he's using Oh, it's amazing. I can actually hear what he's saying, but it's um, it's it's very hissy. Yeah, well, if you put up a proper antenna, it would work quite well, but it's S9 plus here. Mm. But it would be bash if you had a, an outside antenna. No, certainly interesting uh, missions anyway with, uh, with Ralph. Uh, Mr. Wick, did you want me to uh, move something for you tomorrow? Yeah, that's right. We were going to move some things tomorrow afternoon from the factory to here, like the fridge and a few things. Okay, so... Well, I met you at the factory, what, uh, after uh, lunch? Yeah, something like about two o'clock or so, a bit after two. OK, no problems here. Is there much in the factory left? Oh, about 90% of it's gone. There's, there's some furniture and benches and things, and there's the caravan, and but most of the actual equipment is gone. What are you going to do with the caravan? I was going to tow it up here as a, um, a shed. You could use it as a booth, an outside booth. Yeah, I thought of doing just that. Then he can go outside, put soundproof eggs in egg cartons in there and have it as a little uh, VK egg. <laughs> That's right. Mission and studio. The announcers could go in there and they could talk on the missions from in the caravan. Yes. Nigel came, was suggesting that. I think that would be a great idea. Put all your cart machines in there. Yeah, it might work. 
Yeah, just wondering, uh, what about the uh, hot water service? Uh, well, you can take that back if you want. Okay, no problems. Uh, oh, well, look, I'll uh, make arrangements. Uh, oh, well, we'll work that out tomorrow. Yeah, okay, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Oh, well, anyway, I might go clear by I'll listen for, you, uh, for your missions anyway. I listen for, uh, I've got one of these baby alarm things which works quite well, so I'll be listening to you on th th about 36.7, I think. Very good, okay. You would also, Dave, I'll work out sometime, hopefully this week, to come over and uh, um, do visits and pick up the rack and that. Okay, fine. And I'll see if I can buy some of that uh, proper channel-shaped plastic that goes along the bottom edge of those before you stick it on the car. Yeah, anyway, it's been a big night of missions. Hopefully everyone's been listening. We're going to do in-band, cross-band, but uh, with the Don, but it got too staticky and there was a storm here and I couldn't set up the equipment. The, uh, and I couldn't null out the missions because there was so much static going on. I couldn't adjust the, the variometers, so it didn't work yeah, very Nigel well. Yeah, Nigel heard some tests on 1850 or thereabouts earlier on. Yes, I was doing tests. Uh, well, actually, they were on 1865, and I was doing tests, nulling tests on 1850. It works okay, but uh, you can't do it outside when it's pouring with rain and a lightning storm happening. Well, no, it wouldn't be the most fun, would it? Anyway, I better have tea because I'm having late tea tonight, so I'll... I'll listen to the missions that you're putting on while I have my tea. Okay, we'll say morning for now. Right, morning.